welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for all God's children and all God's creation. And wherever those higher qualities of love are acting in any condition, they will positively affect the energy of the atmosphere. Many of us are aware that there is an invisible battle, a spiritual battle, negatively affecting our visible world. But let us understand also that the victory which will positively transform our physical world will not come from the outside, but will come from the kingdom of heaven that is within us all. But the longer we neglect to call forth and use the loving energy of our own individual mighty I am presence and call forth the assistance of the angelic host and the ascended masters to defeat the negative energies of darkness that we face in this world, and they are everywhere, then the longer will mankind and Mother Earth suffer the agonies that bring so much pain and destruction. And I cannot stress it enough, y'all, when we renew our thinking from those same old destructive ways of the past and recondition our thoughts and actions to think and express more of those higher qualities of love, then will we begin to see those positive effects and changes in the atmosphere, in our individual lives, and the world. But I'm trying to tell y'all, we must first strive to correct our own selves. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and life. And y'all be loved. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first, were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. In the time of Herod king of Judea there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abiyah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. 
When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord, in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, his kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth your relative is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Luke 1 1 38. Isis Unveiled, Volume 2, Chapter 3. Professor A. Wilder, the editor of Taylor's Eleusinian Mysteries, observes a like disposition on the part of Jesus and Paul to classify their doctrines as esoteric and exoteric, the mysteries of the kingdom of God for the apostles, and parables for the multitude. We speak wisdom, says Paul, among them that are perfect or initiated. In the Eleusinian and other mysteries, the participants were always divided into two classes, the neophytes and the perfect. The former were sometimes admitted to the preliminary initiation, the dramatic performance of Ceres, or the soul, descending to Hades. But it was given only to the perfect to enjoy and learn the mysteries of the divine Elysium, the celestial abode of the blessed, this Elysium being unquestionably the same as the kingdom of heaven.
To contradict or reject the above, would be merely to shut one's eyes to the truth. The narrative of the Apostle Paul, in his second epistle to the Corinthians, 12-3-4, has struck several scholars, well versed in the descriptions of the mystical rites of the initiation given by some classics, as alluding most undoubtedly to the final apoptia. I knew a certain man, whether in body or outside body, I know not, God knoweth, who was wrapped into paradise, and heard things ineffable, which it is not lawful for a man to repeat. These words have rarely, so far as we know, been regarded by commentators as an allusion to the beatific visions of an initiated seer. But the phraseology is unequivocal. These things which it is not lawful to repeat, are hinted at in the same words, and the reason for it assigned, is the same as that which we find repeatedly expressed by Plato, Proclus, Iamblichus, Herodotus, and other classics. We speak wisdom only among them who are perfect, says Paul, the plain and undeniable translation of the sentence being, we speak of the profounder or final esoteric doctrines of the mysteries, which were denominated wisdom, only among them who are initiated. So, in relation to the man who was wrapped into paradise, and who is evidently Paul himself, the Christian word paradise having replaced that of Elysium. To complete the proof, we might recall the words of Plato, given elsewhere, which show that before an initiate could see the gods in their purest light, he had to become liberated from his body, i.e., to separate his astral soul from it. Apuleius also describes his initiation into the mysteries in the same way, I approach the confines of death, and, having trodden on the threshold of Proserpina, returned, having been carried through all the elements. In the depths of midnight, I saw the sun glittering with a splendid light, together with the infernal and supernal gods, and to these divinities approaching, I paid the tribute of devout adoration. H.P. Blavatsky In common with Pythagoras and other Hierophant reformers, Jesus divided his teachings into exoteric and esoteric. Following faithfully the Pythagoreo-Essenian ways, he never sat at a meal without saying grace. The priest prays before his meal, says Josephus, describing the Essenes. Jesus also divided his followers into neophytes, brethren, and the perfect, if we may judge by the difference he made between them. But his career at least as a public rabbi, was of a too short duration to allow him to establish a regular school of his own, and with the exception, perhaps, of John, it does not seem that he had initiated any other apostle. The Gnostic amulets and talismans are mostly the emblems of the apocalyptic allegories. The seven vowels are closely related to the seven seals, and the mystic title of Raxus, partakes as much of the composition of Shem Hampirosh, the holy word or ineffable name, as the name called, the word of God, that no man knew but himself, as John expresses it. It would be difficult to escape from the well-adduced proofs that the apocalypse is the production of an initiated Kabbalist, when this revelation presents whole passages taken from the books of Enoch and Daniel, which latter is in itself an abridged imitation of the former, and when, furthermore, we ascertain that the Ephite Gnostics who rejected the Old Testament entirely, as emanating from an inferior being, Jehovah, accepted the most ancient prophets, such as Enoch, and deduced the strongest support from this book for their religious tenets, the demonstration becomes evident. We will show further how closely related are all these doctrines. Besides, there is the history of Domitian's persecutions of magicians and philosophers, which affords as good a proof as any that John was generally considered a Kabbalist. As the apostle was included among the number, and, moreover conspicuous, the imperial edict banished him not only from Rome, but even from the continent. It was not the Christians whom, 
confounding them with the Jews, as some historians will have it, the emperor persecuted, but the astrologers and Kabbalists. H.P. Blavatsky You may wonder why, with all our magnificent powers in existence, why mankind doesn't know more about us, why individuals doubt the reality of the angelic host. Answer me this question, how much time out of a day does the average person think about the angels? You go downtown to your office or your employment. And you give your employer 8 hours a day of your energy, of your time, and the use of your mind and your body to do the service for which you are employed. And when your attention is on the things of the outer world, you forget completely that the divine beings exist. So during those hours you are not living in their world. They do not exist for you during the time that you forget them. And yet they are ever radiating their love into the atmosphere of earth, and God help the world if they did not. What think you would be the condition of the atmosphere of earth, what think you would be the condition of the powers of nature and the forces of the elements if the angelic host did not constantly pour the purifying love of the sacred fire to consume mankind's frightful evil? How great do you think has been the discord in the past that could make the distorted conditions of the outer world? Do you not see then, that unless mankind's attention is returned again and again to the remembrance of these beings, to the remembrance of the ascended host, to the acknowledgement and remembrance of the blessings of the angelic host, the healing angels, the protecting angels, the illumining angels, unless mankind's attention is called to these great beings again and again and again, the door is open very little for their assistance to come in by conscious recognition. And if individuals were a thousandth part as much concerned about receiving the angelic host and letting their blessings fill the physical world as individuals today are concerned with the radio and the TV, you'd have a world of masters instead of a world of trouble. Just notice how many hours of a day the humanity of this world keep their attention on the things that enslave and destroy them and desecrate the blessings they desire. Now you must have some kind of an idea how much mankind's attention needs to be called to the angelic host. Just imagine what would be your experience if you contemplated the angelic host for one whole hour. What do you think we could do for you? Most of the time, mankind only thinks of us when individuals are in trouble, and then we're immediately forgotten as soon as the pathway is easy again. We'd like to reverse a little of that and be with you when the path is easy. Laughter. It's more enjoyable, for you and us both. Beloved Archangel Michael. So now if you want to prove the truth of my words, contemplate us in the midst of your daily work. You don't need to go wood gathering or sit in the corner or anything of the kind, but in the midst of your activity. For just the fraction of a second you can send your flame of love from your heart, the feeling of love from your heart, to the angelic host, and thank them for their love to this world. And if you recognize their love, more will come into you. One day you will be like them, and then you'll understand how much mankind needs their love. So precious ones, when you begin to use the cosmic sun presence of the power flame of the angelic host's mighty love to life, you will learn what love is. The supreme power of the universe, the source that gives all, the great treasure house that contains all, is the supreme miracle love of the universe. And so when you want to use the power flame of the great miracle activities of the angelic host's love, illumination will come, and many, many, many things will be revealed to you that are self-explanatory. 
And now, because of the service we wish to give, we would appreciate it greatly if you would call forth the cosmic sun presence of the power flame of the angelic host's mighty healing activity to the people of this land, or to any nation from whence you come. The reason for that is, the healing activities must be purified, and new activities come forth to release mankind from the hypnotic suggestion that is constantly destroying the temple of life. We want to increase healing to the people, but the healing angels must be given recognition. The call must come forth to us before the cosmic law permits us to release the greater power, that will heal the minds and bodies of the people more quickly. Beloved Archangel Michael, 